Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest to find love. I am Jen Sanford. This is Kyle Marshall, and we welcome you to this Friday night. How are you, Kyle? I am doing good. The sun is out. The guns are out, as you can see, and it is a wonderful day in Calgary. You know what isn't out? What's that? A beard trimmer. (laughs) I trim my beard today for you specifically. You're on my case every single week. Well, listen, I'm a connoisseur. It's too long. And I say every week, and I meant the last two weeks I've had a beard. But still, you've been on my (laughs) case every week. Um, It's too long. So you want me to shave the whole thing? I think it, no, I just think just you gotta, you gotta trim it up. Listen, you're a tall, kind of lanky, <laughs> good looking man. But there Someone is say pear-shaped, fi- but yes. <laughs> Nobody's saying pear-shaped, except you. And there is this like really fine line between like debonair, mm-hmm. tailored, suave, and like, the Unabomber. Sheltering children as I walk by. <laughs> yeah. And man in van. That's what I should have said. And right, man right. in van. Yeah. No, I think it just needs a little a little trim. If only we had a sponsor. This is this is the perfect time where like Harry's Shave Club could come in. That's right. What for a, us. But uh, a alas, missed opportunity. Alas. What a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you're doing good. That's good. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. If, if people have been paying attention or keeping up with the last few weeks, I went through this whole grinder experiment, which is kind of still ongoing, but I'm not I'm not really on the app so much anymore because I am going on dates with this man <laughs> that we are affectionately calling Legolas. That is his nickname that we're using here on this podcast. And not because he has no bottom half, but because he looks quite a bit like the character from I don't know, some some Star Trek some, or Star Wars or something. something. Some BS Harry Potter Star Wars thing, you know. Uh, he does look remarkably like Orlando Bloom did in 2001 in the Lord of the Rings movies. But that's that's basically where we're at. Good for you. <laughs> He's shorter, but still, that is what he looks like. Yes, but you're six whatever. Everybody's mm-hmm. shorter than you. That is true. I believe I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago where after this one night of like, having to walk 15 miles to this restaurant <laughs> that we both had decided to go to. Uphill both ways in a snowstorm, yes. You know what the stupidest thing about that whole thing is? is that you had bad shoes on? I had, Well, I had bad shoes on. But as a lovely friend pointed out to me, but this is the thing, you're in the heat of the moment, you're getting swept up in the passion, you're just wanting to get home. I don't know why I didn't just call an Uber. There's just no reason why I just didn't call an Uber to come and pick us up. Whatever. I didn't. We walked 40 minutes back to his place and then I fell asleep while having sex. But still, that is <laughs> uh, that is what happened one night. And he reached out to me the next day being like, oh, was something off last night? Like, I, I wasn't sure if it was something weird. I'm not an urban hiker. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like we got lost on the way to Mount Doom. Like, I just don't know what's going on. You know, it's interesting the difference between men and women, because like you're like, okay, that was a lot of physical exertion for Mm -hmm. the quest of physical exertion. Mm -hmm. But to women like me who wear high heels and stilettos on every date, uh, that's a that's a war crime. So he's like, yeah, is something up? And I'm like, no, like, truly, everything is on the up and up. I had a great time. Want to keep seeing you. This is great. Radio silence for like two or three days. 
Whoa. Now, to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. I was not texting either. However, I'm like, oh, I should reach out to here again. I'm like, hey, how are things? Like, maybe we can, you know, go for coffee or, or something like that here this afternoon. It took until like the next day for him to respond back. He says, I'm having a me day right now. I'm not really the happiest. I'm like, ooh, okay. So things are getting weird. Um, I'm like, oh no, like what went wrong? Trying to engage him in conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he responds back, oh, just some things going on in my life. Mean people at work. I'll be fine, but just a little moody. I'm like, oh, okay. So I try. And- oh, it's a, sh- it's a shit test, Kyle. Okay, well, you're, uh, you're ahead of where my story is at, Jen, but okay. <laughs> Keep <so>. going. <laughs> Keep going. I don't want to ruin it for you. Mm-hmm. Some other messages get sent back and forth again, a day or two later. I'm like, hey, would you, do you want to go to a movie tonight or tomorrow? I'm free. We can hang out, go and see like the new Jurassic Park or whatever, mm-hmm. because I don't value my time and want to go and see bad movies. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell us what you really think. Sponsored by Universal Pictures. Steven Spielberg now has me on a watch list. He responds back by saying, Hey, hon, I would love to, but I'm a bit short this week and my weekend is kind of busy with my family. I'm like, okay, another couple days. And I'm like, "Uh, I haven't heard from you in a while. Hope you're doing okay. And he's like, sorry, in a tough place right now. We'll talk about it another day. Thanks for reaching out. That took him over 24 hours, actually, to respond to that text. And that's what he responded with. I was like, sorry to hear that. Let me know if you ever want to talk about it. No response for three days. Does that bring you up to today? That does bring us up to today, Jen. Um, And you might have noticed that I'm a bit sweaty as I come into this recording here with you. Because I'm kind of winding down my work day. I'm considering what I'm going to get for dinner. What, what 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 do I want to do for the rest of my evening? And then out of the blue, he texts and is like, hey, are you free? I'm like, yeah, I am. He speaks. Yeah. <laughs> From the dead, he has risen. And um, I'm not going to read exactly what he wrote here, but the gist of it was, after over a couple of messages, was like, I need you and your dick to come over and see me right now. That is basically what he wrote back to me. Oh, boy. So I'm screaming down the road. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute, were you in your car or were you running? I'm in my car. I'm like barely dressed and I'm just like, I'm getting in the car. Um, <laughs> it's like that Ikea commercial. Start yeah. the car. Start the car. Of course, Ikea, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. But we do love our Swedish friends. Are they Swedish? Sure. sure. Yes. Some Scandinavian country. I don't know. This is right during rush hour, Jen. So, and he lives downtown. It is like the worst time to try and drive there. Something that should technically only take about 15 minutes. It's like 30 minutes. I'm like dying at like the 20 minute mark. I'm like, I can see your building and I can't get to your building. And then they're like ripping up stuff with construction downtown. So it's like, I can't find a parking spot. I'm just like, I am freaking out. This is your quintessential rom-com moment where you just ditch the car and you start running and you're like, this is what I do for casual sex. So I literally unbuckle myself and just like leave it. I just like jump out of my car and run. No, (laughs) I, uh, I do eventually find a parking spot, park, get up. And then we go like as soon as I walk in, like he is on me. He is on me and all over me. And we just like destroy each other for like the next 90 minutes like we were just going at wow. each other and it was great it was phenomenal <laughs> in fact so the passion is still there 
what I'm a little bit nervous about is this radio silence for like three days when he's going through something bad. And I get it. Like we have seen each other now two or three times. Like this is not like we are making a commitment or a pact with each other, but it did feel awkward just to be completely shut out for three days. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I reached out. He's not responding back to my messages. Yes. But as someone who exhibits the same behavior, you have to understand that when people go through periods of emotional regulation, they just isolate. They just self-isolate. Mm-hmm. It's avoidance, right? It's that thing of not allowing any more stressors to come into your life. You're completely cutting yourself off from the pain. Well, I think it's also just about vulnerability. More practically, I think it's just about vulnerability and the idea that that you just are are stronger alone. And I think that that's usually probably trauma-informed. But what I'm wondering, and we talked about this because you would tip me off to some of these texts when we saw each other midweek. Yes, you guys, we do see each other, not <laughs> just on Friday nights. And I had I had asked the question, is this a shit test? Is this him seeing how you respond to his emotional needs? Right, Because right? we can often find that when you have good sexual chemistry, you immediately begin the process of testing the, emo- the emotional resilience of a relationship. And I had asked the question of maybe this is, you know, do you just go, well, I, you're probably, you're, you're, you seem good. Just let me know when you want to hook up. Or right. if you were going to be like, how are you? What can I do? I'm sensing you're not okay. It's not okay with me that you're not okay. Like, I think trying to figure out how much of an empath you are is an important part of getting to know people now. Where do they strike in the emotional quotient? It's an awkward situation to find myself in because as we've been discussing over the last few weeks, all of these relationships that I've been in over like the past month started off with me saying very bluntly and very specifically, look, I am just looking to hook up for the first little bit and then we'll see where things go. But I really want to be upfront that that is my primary reason for being on this app. Yes, but all over the city. And mm-hmm. all over the province and all over the country and all over the world, people are saying the very same thing. I just want to just have something casual and then they get into it and they're like, oh, actually, I want to be loved. I find this particular of men, particular of men. I get that. I guess what I'm saying is that this is a different situation that I find myself in because I've never been that way. I've always led with like, I want to be in a relationship. I want to be in this long term. And then the time I actually, I'm like, I just want to hook up is the time where I'm like, oh, I'm actually like emotionally invested in, in your life. And you're allowing me in a little bit here. And, uh, I I don't want it to come across as a one night stand, even though that's kind of what I set up as the expectation at the very beginning. So it's, it's, this is stuff that's going through my head. And, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily going through his, but that's where my misgivings come from. And so how do you feel about it today? You're probably riding a high today, tonight. I'm riding a high tonight. So I guess we'll see what the next week looks like. I I know because as I was leaving, we're trying to make plans again. And once again, this is my hated, most hated thing that happens in modern dating. Everyone leaves busy lives. Well, we should do something tomorrow night. I'm like, I I already committed to go and do something tomorrow night. So maybe like Sunday afternoon, I can't have a family thing on Sunday afternoon. How about Monday? Oh, I can't do Monday because I have this, like, it just gives me this thing like you can never book anything or find a time that you can both like, we just need to share calendars and be like, that's the time right there. That's the time. (laughs) Yeah. But the other side of the other side of that is, is that if you were with someone who was always free all the time, you wouldn't want them. That is such of the truth, isn't it? I think there yeah. is that little bit of like you were unavailable and so you are now more attractive to me. That's right. And mm-hmm. holding a fish, which is a callback from last week. 
when we last left you, you were opening your heart, you were staking the claim of being like, listen, I am going to make this commitment. If I'm going to make this work, I am going to be bold. I'm going to go to Jesus. Uh, where are we at? Yeah, that is a that is a perfect thread to be pulling through, Kyle. I will say that, um, you know, I have flashes of me standing on the beach in Salerno, Italy with my feet, you know, in the water. It was such a hot day. I had this awesome tan jumpsuit on. I felt strong, felt tall, which I never do at 5'5". Five five. And I walked up and down the beach by myself. The theme was clear. I felt it in my heart, in my throat, in my mind, in my gut, in my toes, just to lean in. Mm-hmm. And there were two places that I was going to lean in. The first was with my career. I was going to yeah. lean in. I really was in this awesome place working for like the best leader I have found in a long time in my career for a mandate and a mission that fueled a part of me that just felt so raw and pure and good and exciting, right? I was always taught as a kid that I was put on this planet, you were put on the planet, Jennifer, to address our greatest challenges and our most exciting opportunities. And I felt like I was doing both of those things. Like I'm doing both those things, but I wanted to lean in harder. This was the question of how good can I be? How hard can I go? And how well can I perform? And the other area where it was to really let go with Jesus. Jesus, of course, being being the man that I spent six months saying I'm going on dates with, that mm-hmm. I finally, after some uh, emotional damage from Kyle, say I'm dating. Mm-hmm. And the truth is uh, a person that I've totally fallen in love with, totally despite myself. And I knew that the next step is to do the thing that is the hardest, which is to really let this man in, to really mm-hmm. let this man in. And I stood on that beach and I thought... This is what's ahead of you. You're going to fly home tomorrow and you're going to go all in with this job and you're going to show them how much you love this job. And then I'm going to go all in with my relationship and I'm going to show Jesus how much I love him. Jen, you know, you're making me nervous because you're, you're doing a lot of lead in. This usually means that there's going to be like a, is it a, not a pin is going to fall. The shoe's going to drop. Shoe's going to drop. I had never heard anything other than how much I was deeply respected and valued at work. I cannot say enough about what a great boss was there. And on Wednesday at 11.05, I was let go. What? I lost my job. I had never heard anything other than how great I was doing. I Everything I touched turned to gold, honestly, Kyle. I don't say that from any place of other than hum- humility, that I was, I was, things were working, it was working, mm-hmm. and I was on the precipice of it all coming together. Not every day was a great day, but tell me who has a job where every day is a great day. Right. There were moments where it was a little bit scary, <laughs> and there were mm-hmm. moments where it was really hard, um, but I always rationalized that this work was work that I didn't realize I was meant to be doing until I connected with that leader in that role at that time. And um, no reason given. And you're, of course, we live in a hybrid world of working from home. So you're just kind of left with this thought of like, like the phone call ends after seven minutes and you just kind of blink quietly in the silence of your home. You're so alone in that moment. Yeah. And you still just kind of, you kind of just think, okay, this is, um, 
it's the quintessential bottom falling from out from under you, right? We, mm-hmm. people who have been let go from something, whether it was something we did or did not want, the power of, of rejection is, is real, but it was nothing compared to then what happened next. Okay. Which is that you turn to this, to your partner and you just are not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he just pulls away. Mm. And it is, without question, the moment where you realize that you have spent months building a fence. And then when you've had to lean on that fence for support, uh, that fence gave away. And you think, what a waste of my time. What a waste this was of everyone's time. Was there anything that was actually said by him? Or is it literally just like, could not be bothered? Well, I feel like there's more to come, but okay, it was basically like, oh, I thought you needed space. Mm-hmm. And you're like at home bawling. <laughs> and it's like, I right. thought you needed space. I thought you wanted space. Uh, it was just, you know, for someone who is so empathetic and for someone who has been the beneficiary of me dropping things to deal with all of the ridiculousness of, of his life and his ex and, you know, even getting to know his kids and the demands of two young kids. I would like to think that I was rock solid. I am struggling to find that in return. There's more to come. But just like I said last week, I've got Jesus on ice, which of course I know is your favorite ice capade, but in this literal sense, I've got Jesus on ice. But this has led me thinking a lot about the idea of rejection and what it does to the human condition. Oh, for sure. Because it's like falling out of a tree and then you hit the biggest branch on the way down, right? And you know me, Kyle, you know that I, if you go through the stages of grief, you feel, what is it? Shock, denial, anger. I go like, no, and I stay in anger Like, I will just get there quickly and I will just marinate. I will just ruminate and marinate there. I also have this deficit that I have gained from generations of people. This is a generational familial thing where I have this inherent ability to panic in the middle of the night. And this has created a tremendous coordination of, of panic in me because there's no lessons to be learned. I was liked at that job. I liked that job. I worked Mm -hmm. hard every day then you're terminated for no reason given and you're like, well, what is the lesson, right? Because I, I have always lived by the creed of a lesson is repeated until it is learned. And I do not know what the lesson is that is to be learned from this experience. And that will set me into, into fits of panic always between 2.30 and 3 a.m. To, to bring this into the relationship space, I think there's a lot of carryover here, right? We've been in those situations where someone says, listen, I am rejecting you. Maybe not in those specific words, but like, I don't want to be with you in a romantic way. And that's, that's hurtful and that's awful. We've been ghosted where it's like people just don't respond to your text or anything like that. But there's also, I, th- I don't know, there's something like sociopathic almost of <laughs> the combination, which is we're done and then no explanation there's, there's right. no reasoning there's no context right. given it's just like no we're just done bye and then you're there out of your life and the cognitive damage of what that causes right mm-hmm. like we we know from science that when you have that kind of rejection it creates periods of defined like anger anxiety depression jealousy sadness all of those things that do nothing but reduce the gray matter in your brain that makes you a functional human being you know there's been studies that have talked about when you are rejected it makes it difficult to even do intellectual tasks, right? It can lead to, you know, these 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 moments of even poor impulse control. Like it just absolutely just fucks with our brain at a place where, you know, we just 
we're just inhibited by our own sense of self. And I think that that falls into the category, in my opinion, of cruel and unusual punishment. But I think the thing that we don't talk about is is that rejection is so often met with anger, which is, of course, a mm. deflecting response. What we never talk about is how rejection is connected to physical pain. We've talked about, have we not talked about this on the podcast, that, that um, if you were to break your arm, the same pain sensors that would, that would show in an MRI in your brain are the same pain sensors that, that, that flare up when we experience isolation with harm associated with it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, that's what we know. That's why, you know, neurologically speaking, rejection hurts so bad. I'm of two minds because we know we can't live in a world without rejection. We know that sure. that's, you know, I've, I feel like my grandmother who'd be like, well, how else are you going to build character? <laughs> I, I get that part of it. And to not live in a world of rejection is just <laughs> no, not your Brussels sprouts. Like, what does it, what does it do to us when it is a type of rejection with harm? And, and, you know, certainly I'm, I'm, I'm now talking about all forms. I'm talking about in relationships. I'm talking mm -hmm. about, you know, you went, you made a great point about ghosting there, Kyle. Romantic rejection, you know, s stimulates all those parts of the brain associated with all those things, motivation, reward, addiction my ability to eat a whole loaf of bread in one sitting, mm -hmm. which as you know, is not something that I do often. Being romantically rejected, you know, mirrors, you know, it gets us down what I call the highlight reel of all of the rejection that you've had. Isn't it amazing how we gunny sack rejection? Like we, if we're rejected once, we have to do like the highlight reel of every single rejection we've ever had in our life. Isn't that crazy that we do that? Yeah, it's like the in memoriam section of the Oscars. It's like, oh, look, look at all this yes. sorrow. Yes. It's like, oh, I thought he had yes. died already, but I guess it's coming back into my life again. I get to reopen that trauma. I choose to think of it as like a blooper reel of just right. me humiliating myself. Like Wipeout, just me and those big yeah, balls. With the Benny Hill yeah. theme just running in the background. I was Googling this in advance of this episode and... I read a study that said that rejection takes 11 weeks to be exercised from the body. What? It literally, rejection is held into the body. It's held to the body. And I can tell you that, like you're hearing in my voice, I'm sick again. I feel tired and listless and like I'm not an afternoon napper. And I was just like, I'm never going to make it to Friday night with Kyle. This is going to be like, <laughs> what happened to somebody date Kyle? I feel like my body is made of wet sand. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, but I mean, we have a fundamental need to belong to a group. When life gives you wet sand, make a sandcastle. Oh, fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like, we have a fundamental need to be, to belong in a group. Mm -hmm. So when rejection happens, I think it makes it all that more painful. I was ostracized sure. from a group. That's why the greatest uh, punishment in, like, ancient Greece was ostracization. Ostracized. I can't say that word. To be ostracized from yeah. the city-state. You're, like, you're kicked out of the town, literally. Yeah. My small town that I'm from still does that. Does yours? <laughs> they tried to burn me as a witch, so ah, I'm not allowed that. back. I heard that. I heard that. Rejection is basically trauma. Well, it is trauma. You have to survive from it we've all had it and i think others have had more of it so it's just a way of honestly i think when it gets into relationships specifically i think that's what everyone fears really when it comes right down to it is rejection is it am i being rejected by my husband or wife because they don't find me desirable anymore is my girlfriend not talking to me because she's trying to reject me you know all of those things swirl through you i think that's i think that's everyone's greatest fear inside a relationship mm -hmm. My final thought, because I see you pulling out the fishbowl, is this. Rejection 
of any kind sets us on a mission to seek and destroy our mm -hmm. self-esteem. And I'm finding faults in my self, uh, bemoaning my inadequacies and um, certainly smacking my self-esteem into a pulp, uh, both personally and professionally. And the sweet, sweet Alanis Morissette inspired irony that mm. this would come at a time when I finally had the courage to open yes. up and lean in feels particularly strikingly cruel, I will just say. That, that's the uh, yeah, dramatic irony of the situation. Uh, I yes. will say, Isn't it ironic? I will say this. This is the difference between you and I. Because where you say that you harness the anger, you, you lean into the anger, mm -hmm. you, you, know, you're, you skid your car into the anger. I get, it's just as destructive, but I get into that situation of like, oh yeah, no, that tracks. That, that's, that's right. They should have rejected me. <laughs> yeah, that, it validates. You let it validate. Mm -hmm. You let it validate. I, um, I think that I would have done that in the past, but I'm trying to be an evidence-based decision maker. And the evidence is clear that I built the fence. I did the work. Mm -hmm. I built the infrastructure. And the fact that I leaned on it and it faltered on all fronts just pisses me off. And it's. I think you're being very kind that you say that, you know, I kind of careen into anger. Uh, no, I consciously walk into it, build a small tent city. I'm putting in sewer and water. I intend to live there. We shall, we shall overcome. You're just like doing your chance out there. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. And it doesn't help that the world's events aren't making it any easier <laughs> to be a woman. Is that not the truth? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I have to say this one thing and I think you're going to cut it from the episode and maybe you should, but, uh, you know, I work in a male dominated profession with, with men. And uh, I remember I used to have a mentor of mine who said, when things don't go your way, take a step back and ask yourself, don't forget I'm a woman. Did I suck enough dick to belong? <laughs> and I, Jesus. she's passed, she's passed on now, but there was a moment where in the pit of my rage, I thought the very same thing. It is becoming Im increasingly miserable to be a woman and to have to be an endless champion for women while women also in our own class system like to rip each other apart. And, uh, yeah, that's that may be compounding this more than I think. Uh, well, I'm a man, so I have a great insight into that specifically. Yeah, so let please, me no, sit sure. back and I'm going to explain to you. I want to explain. Issues. Forget the fishbowl. <laughs> Forget the fishbowl, Kyle. Just right. away we go. Uh, well, I do have the fishbowl here. I'm just going to take out my own keys. I'll give them to you. Um, yeah, you know what? Give me the keys and give me the bowl. I'm rolling this bowl. Come here. Okay, come on. Here you give go. me the bowl. Give it to me. After weeks of fighting, my girlfriend has left me. Six years were lost. I feel like I'm a like I'm made of lead. How do I start to move forward? There was a ring in my bedside table. She mm. was the one. What I feel is going to happen in this episode, and maybe you'll prove me wrong, is that I'm going to try and be the positive one. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> is that on the assumption that I may take all my anger and rage and Bring it to in, inform the fishbowl. Maybe it was two weeks ago when you said everyone should dump each other. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> this is coming from evidence-based issues, evidence-based decisions. I stand by my choices on that fishbowl. That fishbowl was a bunch of people trying to find other fishes in other bowls. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. When you say that she was the one, I would say that evidence shows that that is incorrect. Here is my positive spin. That nobody wants to hear after they have spent six years in a relationship trying to build a life together. Not to take a look at this as I have wasted six years of my life. Rather, I have better informed myself of what I am looking for in a partner. She was not the one. 
you even indicated the fact that you have been fighting with her for weeks. That is not a healthy relationship to be in if you are in constant fighting mode with the person who you're supposed to love. Yes, you spent six years together. Yes, it feels awful right now to have that person not in your life. But I think ultimately this is going to prove to be the, a better thing to have happened than spending another six years with this person and realizing, oh, no, this definitely is not going to work out. That's my answer. I feel bad for you because you're super wrong. <laughs> Actually, maybe I feel bad for me that you're so super wrong. No. Well, you should get back together with her. But what do you want? No, Kyle, I think that, you know, I want to address the the six years were lost because I think it wasn't it a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago. I can't remember where somebody made a comment about eight years were lost. And I think mm-hmm. that they're starting to get that language for me who often will put a time stamp on the loss. I love a TikTok video from, a, from about uh, five months ago where someone said, did we just go through this incredible difficult adventure for 10 years of my life only just to become strangers again. It feels Mm -hmm. like such a waste. I am obsessed with time also. I will often be focused on time. I'm out of time. I've wasted this time. I've used this time. It takes me a long time to like see all of that lost effort and lost yield of what I really wanted be rationalized away. I mean, you know, I, Kyle, you can have kids for the next 30 years. I, if I'm lucky, have a year left to try to figure out if I'm a family person or if I'm just going to be that weird single person who just you know has yard sales. In this particular case, time will heal this wound, sir. This was submitted by a man named Kyle, ironically enough. Mm. I didn't put it in the sun in there. but And so my note to you, Kyle, would be this. You feel rejected now. It's painful and it's just feelings. Don't try to rationalize it just yet. That will come over time. We never, I don't think we ever give enough credit for the fact that he becomes an allegiance of people who wake up in the morning and roll over and the person that he wanted to marry is not there and gets up and has breakfast with the person that he thought he would have breakfast with who is not there. You will put on rose-colored glasses. You will get mad. You will then put rose-colored glasses on and get mad. You'll barter. You'll text her at three in the morning. It'll get messy, whatever. But I think what we have to all acknowledge is that while Kyle is experiencing, Kyle from the question, is experiencing rejection, he's also experiencing grief. What is the difference between her leaving and them never having a life together and her dying? There's no difference. She's gone. And I think we, we as a society take someone who has been rejected and is experiencing the grief associated with rejection and is like, just get it back up on the horse. She was a bitch. Who cares? Whatever. You were fighting all the time. But if she had died, all those facts would still be true about the state of their relationship. But he would be given a very wide breadth to feel all of his feelings. And my advice would be, sure. feel all of those feelings. And you don't have to live on the rational side. You can just live on the emotional side. And you know that I never say that. I never say that. I'm always like, keep your feelings where you keep your opinions on the inside like a winner that should be in the promo next season you do know that you come across as a robot sometimes right jen like you do understand from the outside perspective it's like don't feel feelings that's for suckers (laughs) well you know you have to be you have to be tough i'm a woman we got to be tough all right next question i'm 31 so is my husband and i have never been more attracted to my partner but no matter what i do the clothes, the little dance, the seduction. I can't get our sex life going. It has been nearly a year. I feel rejected. 
I'm being rejected, right? This is about rejection, he asks. She asks. Is this about rejection? Oh, boy. I would like more information. I mean, my gut instinct is to say yes, but is is my follow-up to this. I, I need to know more information about the husband, about where his headspace is at. This very well could be yes. He's rejecting you inside the relationship. But to, I guess, again, to play like the positive spin on this, men have stressors and, and things that go on in their lives, too. Maybe he is having a hard time feeling like he can perform the way that he wants to perform. Impotence is a real thing, especially in older men. So, again, it could be one of those those things. So the quick answer is yes, he's rejecting you. But I don't know if it's because he's fully like I am over you or if it's because he is having his own issues that he's having to deal with. I think you're wrong. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, it's a red flag. Get out. Oh, take come your, on. Take your clothes. Stop take your it. dance. Take your libido and get out of there. Get out of there. You're mm-hmm. being rejected. You don't need to be rejected. You're in your sexual prime, ma'am. Get out of there. Yes, you made vows, but this seems hard. Get out. So you're telling her to leave the ring on the on the counter, leave this person's life, cause him to go into a tailspin. There's a guy in the previous question who's looking for a good person. You should hook up with Kyle. You should hook up with Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, in all fa- in all fairness, yes, you are being rejected. Um, mm-hmm. Sexual rejection is a is a real thing. I think this is my unqualified opinion. I feel like really tonight, I should really be saying that this is now not only just unqualified but trauma informed. Now <laughs> you have to talk about it, and you have to say like my needs are being met. Wh- where's what is the disconnect? And to create a space for him to talk about it, is it? something sexual is it that he's not attracted to you anymore right. is it that he's you know w- wishes to be attracted to someone else like there's something deeper going on so and absolutely if that answer is i'm no longer attracted to you then yeah pack up your bags and get out like there's something deeper going on so the focus is in the wrong place you can focus on the rejection that's happening or you can focus on the fact that you have a communication deficit there's a disconnect between the two of you and you're not communicating because you're reacting to the rejection you're writing into us and you need to go back to your husband and be like, what gives? Because at 31, my God, you're married. You've got it. You're going to be together for like another 70 years of torture. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. No. Stop focusing on what's happening and start focusing on why it's happening. That would be my unqualified advice on that. Kyle, mm-hmm. your thoughts on my, on my wisdom this evening? Uh, I mean, I think you're jilted and you're taking it out on the question askers a little <laughs> bit, but... Uh... <laughs> Stop. No, I agree. I agree with the talking. I think this does need to be very much brought out into the open and be like, listen, dude, I am doing every I am doing the Uhura fan dance from Star Trek five. I want to oh say my God. nerd alert, nerd alert, super hot, you know, <laughs> nerd alert. <laughs> and you're Ew. giving me nothing. Next question. Next you're question. Nothing. Next question is, can you stay friends? with a partner who rejected you. I mean, this is the dumb, like, I guess you could. I would advise against it, especially if they have romantically rejected you. There's such a power imbalance because they now know that they have power over you, that they, that you have expressed feelings, that you want to be in a relationship or you want to be more than just friends. And yeah, the power dynamic is off. So this is one of those like semantic arguments. Can you? Sure. Should you? No. Yeah, I'm I'm right on the same path with you. And I'm not at all taking it out on this person. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, the question reads, can you? And I would ask the question, why would you want to? Right. And the question right underneath that that I think is meaningful is, what's your motive? Because I want to be careful. And because <laughs> we see this happen where people are rejected and then their motivation becomes, I can win them over. Right. I can wear them down. I don't think we do a good enough job of saying that is the pathway to a way more fierce, damaging, uncontrolled, unwielding, irresponsible way of being rejected even bigger, right? Mm -hmm. So if this person rejects you and you're like, okay, I've been rejected, but I want to stay friends, you have to really ask yourself, is the goal really to stay friends or is the goal to try to win over this person's no to a yes? And if that is your goal, get out of there. There's plenty of fish in the sea. And plus, you don't want your story to be like, he said no to me and then I wore him down. <laughs> like, yikes. yeah, yeah. This is one of those Ugh. things, too, that Hollywood loves to use this bit of as a trope yeah. as far as like romantic comedies go. It's like, oh, I was just like the quirky best friend. And finally, he discovered me as a fully sexual woman because I'm Julia Roberts. Or Mila Kunis. Yeah. Or Mila Kunis. It's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Yeah. No. And I think it sets you up for a far more emotionally taxing adventure sure. that's going to take a lot in your self-esteem like like hear what we were saying before when we talked about rejection lives in your body it lives in your mind it becomes something that forms how you see the world so staying in a situation where you're you're primed for like small micro rejections as this person tries to make it clear like i rejected you once i will manifest the courage to reject you again mm -hmm. uh, and then in the end it's going to end with it it never ends well oh god Oh God, it never ends well. So I think you have to ask the question, um, why would you want to? And, and what is your motive behind that? That's just my thought. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is Kyle. Mm. Kyle. Is it possible to be addicted to rejection? There's a man I've been in love with for seven years. I know he doesn't love me, but I can't stop creating opportunities for him to reject me. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Am I addicted to rejection? Oh, shit. Kyle. I don't know how to answer the last question specifically, meaning like, I don't know if you're addicted to rejection, but I do think that you are addicted to the fantasy that you've created within your own mind. This is me to a T for like the past, I don't know, 16 years of my life. What? At least. Which no. Is like, Oh, that person over there. I have such a huge crush on them. Oh, they're so cool. They're so awesome. I'm going to make ways to be in their life and to like, you know, try and settle up and have them talk with me and go out with me and all this type of stuff, even though I know it's never going to go anywhere because in my mind, I've gotten this huge like storyline built out like how awesome it's going to be. We're going to like fall in love and like fireworks are going to go off. You're addicted to the fantasy that you've created in your own mind about what this relationship is instead of dealing with the reality of what is actually happening. If you, I'm reading this question verbatim here. They say addicted to rejection, but he hasn't actually rejected her. I can't see anywhere here where it, they say that they've actually told them this person's feelings. They just say, I know he doesn't love me. Could be true. I don't know. But you don't say that you've actually said, hey, I want to be in a relationship with you. And he rejected me seven years ago hmm. this feels to me like total fantasy that someone has built up in their head and i'm the master of doing this i don't know how many like 
fake relationships I had in my head <laughs> over like the last decade and a half. You might go back a few episodes to my New York trip to hear <laughs> such a tale. Oh boy. Call back. Mm -hmm. We'll always have to wonder if we let that man truly reject you or if you stepped mm -hmm. away before it had... Okay, we'll, uh, we'll do a part two at some point. We'll do a part two, but so the, that man did not fully reject you. You sort of stepped away as part of a larger existential crisis. Well, I think that's exactly what's going on here. Okay, I am legitimately trying to answer her question. I am legitimately, mm. but I'm just realizing now that when you talk about, you know, creating, you know, opportunities to really get to know someone and express their love, I, I realize now, Kyle, you're talking about me, obviously. Mm. This podcast is just a whole setup. I don't know how to, I'm not going to reject you. We have promised that this podcast is going to either end in a proposal or a death. And maybe both. We don't know that yet. <laughs> maybe both. The way we're going, it's definitely both. Um, <laughs> in all reality to this question, we look for experiences. This is me. This is, this is my take on it. We look for experiences to validate our reality. Sometimes we put ourselves in positions to be like, okay, this happened and this reinforces then what I think about myself, right? So if you think you're socially awkward and then you go out with a bunch of friends and you just behave abhorrently and humiliate yourself, you're like, see, I did this because I'm socially awkward, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You create environments to validate your own reality. I do worry that there's a little bit of that happening. I think you can be addicted to that, right? Reinforce, what is it called? Reinforcement something. Mm-hmm where you just look for situations to reinforce the reality that you hold for yourself. That you've your created mind, almost, yeah. That you've created in your mind, right? So, you know, I'm not worthy of something, so then you self-sabotage. You know, I'm not, you know, good enough to 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 look like this, so you you eat until you don't. I don't belong in this social circle, so you never have anything to do with those people. Like we look for experience to validate our reality, and that could be happening here. She's addicted to that. She's addicted to um, you know, being near someone that doesn't want her because then it validates that she's not worthy to be with this person. The other thing that I think could be happening here is that she just loves the thrill of the hunt. That's why it's gone on for seven years, right? right? She doesn't pull the trigger on it because then her fascination and her obsession is over. And that could lead to rejection. That's true. It's like when people work and work and work to achieve a goal. And then they achieve that goal. And then they're like, oh, my God, I don't have any idea who I am. I think about this with Olympic athletes all the time. You know, they win a gold medal. And two months later, they're like, oh, well, I thought about killing myself. And then I was in therapy for four years and I couldn't be left alone. Mm -hmm, and people mm -hmm. are like, why? You're a 10 time gold medal swimmer. And it's like, uh, yeah, but then I wasn't. Then I the thing, the single focused goal I had to work on was achieved and I didn't, wasn't smart enough to put another goal behind it. I didn't know who I was after that. Right. It's like the uh, old, uh, like uh, huge company CEOs when they retire. So many of them like are dead in like two yeah. years. So there's nothing yeah. that they have filled their life with except that company. That's right. All that, all that pressure and stress and anxiety has nowhere to go, but inward and their body can't handle it. And I think I would ask the question because after seven years, whether she's had that big rejection from him or not, um, I think that there's there's a bit of the thrill of the hunt here, and then there's also perhaps maybe looking to validate our reality. I don't know. I don't know. We don't. This is a poor question, man. Whoever submitted this with no name, you got to give us more detail. Like once upon a time, we won't read the whole thing on air. We just kind of need to know. Like I was born on a Sunday. You got to tell us more. All right, one final one here in the bowl, sir. I'm a 22 year old male, 
and I cannot handle rejection. I just want to rage. How serious is this? Pretty serious. I think that if you are flying into a rage from rejection, that that is an incorrect way to unleash that anger. Understandable that when you get rejection, that it is a terrible feeling. But if you are like throwing fists and breaking things and like just getting into that type of like blind rage, that's not cool. And I would recommend finding ways to express that anger, whether you're going to therapy, talking to friends, whatever that might be to, to help you through that. I will say again, to give the benefit of the doubt, I, I do think you, you started off this conversation, Jim, by saying like, it's okay to be angry for a while. And I agree. I think it's totally fine to just be angry inside of that situation. A, a previous therapist that I had once said, it's like, you know, it's okay to just like be sad sometimes, right? She always said, like, throw yourself a pity party. Like, if you're in that situation where you're upset and you're, you you, you want to cry or whatever it has, like, yeah, lean into it. Be sad. Eat your French toast and, you know, uh, watch old Golden Girls reruns and, like, just lean into it and be sad for a bit. And then come up with a plan and, like, go out and live the rest of your life after that. Be, feel that emotion, though. It's okay to feel that emotion. But if it gets into this type of thing where you're aggressive to other people or like you're smashing things. I just don't think that that is a great coping mechanism. I don't know. What do you think, Jen? I have a couple of thoughts here and I want to be careful because this is, this is the territory where you and I get sued. Mm. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think the very first thing is like, I, I want to define rage because if his rage is like, he goes home and he's hot and he's sweating and he's mad and he's, you know, if it's internalized rage, I mean, it's not healthy but at least it's internalized rage. You're absolutely right. If he's talking about like violence and aggression and breaking the law and causing damage and destruction and havoc, you know, that clearly needs immediate, immediate support. And that is something we are super not qualified to talk right. about. That reaches so deep into the realm of two unqualified people. So everything we say has to be wrapped into the cage of like, if it's, if it's dangerous and you know it asks for help, that's like should be a, a part of it there. Yeah. Um, I want to acknowledge the situational awareness of the of the twenty two year old male yeah. that had the courage to submit a note to us, uh, saying like this is what I'm dealing with. I think these the situational two olds awareness, will know what to do for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> these two boomers will know what to do, and so I think that matters also that he's saying like I think I this is not right. And somebody has to talk to me about it. And so just know that we're listening. You're listening. We're listening. We're talking to you. I thought about this question while you were talking and I thought there's a piece in here about gender inequity. I have to mention here because, you know, we hold men to an incredibly high standard around how they guard their emotions of anger. And I feel like often we would let a 22 year old female go crazy. We'd let her break shit and scratch eyes and and become unglued, and we'd just go, "Oh, it's just psycho bitch." Uh, but for men, it's you know quintessentially dangerous and abhorrent, and you know criminally prosecuted. So I was thinking about the gender inequity of how would I answer this question if it said, "I'm a 22 year old female who can't handle rejection. I just want to rage." Would we be like, "Well, we'll talk to your girlfriends about it and have a couple of drinks, then we'll lean on your community." And with him, we're like, "Go for mimosas." Yeah, yeah, we're like. You clearly have unclear trauma. 
because remember we remember we we when we talked about it at the top of the hour when we said that we play rejection like a highlight reel or a blooper reel or whatever we call mm-hmm. it there could very likely here be uncleared trauma around rejection whether that's as a child or as a young person or, sure. or by someone who is very deeply emotionally connected to you so i think it is worth talking to someone and there are a lot of great anger management groups out there don't buy into the stigma I have to tell you, I I did a, did I ever tell you this, Kyle, that I went to New York in a heat wave and just outside of New York, there was this little institute, which I want to be clear to say I willingly went there. I was not sent there like Elvis Presley. Mm. I stop it. Everybody does this. Okay. They just get really quiet. No, I wanted to challenge myself when I turned 30. I had, I had a challenge. I wanted to challenge my mind. And so I went to this place called Garrison and it was in a heat wave. It was like 45 degrees and stayed hot all night and there had no air conditioning and i was on the top floor of this brick building which held all the heat just for a couple of american listeners you're talking 45 degrees celsius i'm assuming yes that's yeah. yes yes thank you very much because otherwise that's um, very cold for them that's very cold yeah no uh so it was ten thousand degrees fahrenheit and mm-hmm. i went to this place uh, called garrison and i sat in a little room on a little cushion and i meditated in complete silence for 10 days I didn't read anything. They even took the label off my deodorant. I didn't read anything. I didn't allow my mind to be distracted. I ate a small breakfast and then a piece of bread in the afternoon. And then I slept quietly. I did not speak. I did not shower. Oh my God. I was like a mess after 10 days. But I just wanted to sit with my mind. How long do you feel like it took you to actually lock in? A nine and a half days. Right. No, I mean, Jim Carrey talks about this when he talks about meditation and and your life in general, that sometimes you have to ride that, you have to just reset, reset, reset. And sometimes you ride that button all day. You ride that reset button all day. But I knew that I wanted to have a a mental challenge as I welcomed myself into my 30s. And I knew that there was like this, you know, mindfulness you know, based meditation that I felt was a, was a tool I wanted in my toolkit and, and being able to sit in silence for those days was very meaningful to me. And you have no one, you have no one but your own voice. And, and I'm always amazed, like I can stare down a critic, but then when I have to stare down myself, I'm like, oh, this is a worthy opponent for sure. And I thought a lot about how much anger I carry. And I am a person who carries a lot of anger and someone somewhere out there, a concert of men I have dated have all just in tandem said, ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> like oh, they've all just spoken from their various cities in concert. Um, so just someone I've, in Vancouver right now is like, I feel the disturbance. There's something. Yeah, exactly. There's something. Vanco- what, what else? Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The core root of it was that my self-esteem was determined by the validation of others. And when I could not source the validation, it was met with such a violation of my sense of self. It was then the only way that I could manifest it to try to communicate how deeply it hurt me was through rage. Mm-hmm. And I ride that start line every day. So um, I want to acknowledge the person who sent this as I hope this is the part of the journey to find help and to talk about it and to to know that just because that's a characteristic of who you are doesn't mean it's the defining piece of who you are. You're young, 22. Good God, man, you got a lot of time to to figure yeah. out what to do with it. And just so I can put my stamp on this, whether you're male or female, if you are raging and being outwardly violent or assaulting people, totally not cool. <laughs> I am not on board with either of those. Yeah, yeah. get some fucking help. 
Um, all right, let's go to the burning question. A question so good, it burns a little. Ow! Kyle, our question of the week is as follows. If rejection sympathy is real, can we ever really be in a solid, stable relationship? So can we define rejection sympathy? Basically, rejection sensitivity, just to really flesh out this question for everybody, comes from this idea. Like, nobody likes rejection, whether it comes from, you know, par- you know parents, family, coworkers, peers that crush a long-term relationship, whatever it is. We acknowledge that it's an unavoidable. For, for some people, they can shake it off. We know mm-hmm. highly resilient people can shake it off. For others, it triggers an um, just an incredibly overwhelming emotional response, and it creates a long-term emotional sensitivity where rejection is anticipated, whether it is real or perceived in that person's mind. So I'll give you an example. Kyle, if we were to go out, if you were to call me up and I were to, and you were to say, let's go see Jurassic Park. And I were to say, oh God, that one with Chris Pratt. No, gross. No, thanks. Rather than being like, oh, Jen doesn't like Jurassic Park. You would say, oh, Jen doesn't like me. Mm. Jen doesn't want to spend time with me. Jen doesn't want to be with me. I'm not worthy. And then it becomes a cognitive barrier to you to participate with me and, but also to participate in your day-to-day life. Then I go through a period as your friend where I'm like unnecessarily rebuilding your self-esteem And then we finally, I'm like, you know, we go out to see a movie we both like. Let's say we go to see Elvis or whatever. And you're like, do you want to get a popcorn with me? And I'm like, oh God, no, the popcorn here is so salty. And you're like, yeah, she doesn't want to share with me. She thinks I'm gross. She doesn't want to be here. She, I should have known this because Jurassic Park. So then you start to gunny sack it through, right? I knew this with Jurassic Park. She didn't want to see Jurassic Park. She doesn't want to be here. You know, why are we even friends? And so for a lot of people, they couple all of that rejection through a high level of sensitivity. We call that rejection sensitivity. So if rejection sensitivity is real, can we ever really be in a solid, stable relationship? And I want to say this question was submitted to the fishbowl and we built this entire episode around it. I could never have anticipated that I would have so much to contribute. Sure. <laughs> to this episode. Gosh. So I frankly, am... it's this person's fault. Frankly. Yeah. Like blame this person. Let's reject them. Oof. Uh, good night, everyone. So if we take the initial premise is true, if the rejection sympathy is real, I would still say yes. Yes, you can. It's harder. I don't know how I want to answer this, Jen. This is hard for me. <laughs> Why is it hard for you, Kyle? Well, like, because I'm of two minds of this. There's the, the, the theoretical part of my brain, and then there's the reality which is like, I do this, and I know I do this, and I catch myself doing it, and then I have to intentionally be like, no, 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 no. They just don't want popcorn. Stop being a weirdo, Kyle, and just like, accept that. It's fine. So would you define yourself as someone that has rejection sensitivity? Yes, but I think if you are aware of it, you are able to counteract it in a way. So the it's not that rejection sympathy leaves. It's still there, but you're able to work through it therefore be being able to make a solid stable relationship i think when you succumb to it too too quickly and you're just like oh no this is all real and no one likes me and i'm an awful person then yeah then there's no way you make a stable relationship out of that because you can't trust anyone yeah i think it falls into that category of what you can cognitively measure as a problem or a solution when it comes to this type of sensitivity i think then you can manage it right you can't you can't manage what you can't measure and I think the other the other piece of this is is like you've got to be vigilant. You've got to be in like really 
strong, rational mind of this. And I will say that I think there would be no greater tragedy than two people who suffer from rejection sympathy being in a relationship together. I think they would bounce off one another until they, it ended with either a proposal or a death. Just call back. Just call back. So I'm going to start working on that screenplay and it's going to be great. Well, my, forgive my nervousness closing this up because who am I if I say to this person, um, no, you cannot be in a stable relationship. And I leave them with that piece of rejection. See, now I'm brought into it. Now I'm my own unfair catalyst of, uh, no, no, Linda, you're going to be alone forever. I think that's the, the qualifier here. If unchecked rejection sympathy is real, then yes, you cannot have a solid, yeah. stable relationship. And if you find a partner and their, their very first virtue had better be patience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, if people want to... Submit their own questions, of course, to the fishbowl. You can go to our website, somebodydatejenandkyle.com. And we are also on three different social media platforms. That's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We are at somebodydate. We had to make a deal with the devil to be the same thing on three different platforms. Did we ever? And it came with a lot of rejection. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us on this Friday evening. I would like a medal for not crying. We'll see you <laughs> next Friday. Thank you. Be safe out there. Good night. Bye.